everybody, this episode of Star Trek The Next Conversation is brought to you by our good friends over at the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum in Hollywood, California. If you're looking for something to do in Hollywood, you're heading in town for the holiday season, we can recommend no better way to spend an afternoon than heading over to Ripley's Believe It or Not. It's in the center of Hollywood, at Hollywood and Highland. Uh, you could go in there, and boy, let me tell you, you can use the away team special. That'll get you 10 people in. For $100. Up to 10 people for $100. It's unbelievable. The more people you bring up to 10, the more money you're saving. All you got to do is tell them Andy sent you from Star Trek The Next Conversation and mention Riker's sexy new beard, which is not that new anymore because we're 17 episodes into the sexy new beard. Andy, do you find his beard sexy? It's a very fine beard. He keeps it very well trimmed. Well, if that kind of enthusiasm is what you need, head over to Ripley's Believe It or Not in Hollywood. For the away team special, up to 10 people in for $100. Tell them Star Trek The Next Conversation sent you and mention Riker's sexy new beard. Here's the show. Podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation. I'm Matt Myra. I'm Andrew Secunda. I think I jumped the gun a little bit. I'm not sure Andrew was totally ready, but I said, you know what? We don't have a ton of time. We're recording during lunch. This episode's batshit insane. We gotta get right to it. Let's do it. All right. Sound cue, Andrew. Okay. I didn't realize that's what we were doing. Uh, Matt, how do people get into the Admirals Club? Well, Andy, it's very simple. All you have to do is go to iTunes and leave a five-star review for this podcast. You can write pretty much whatever you want in there, and you'll be welcome into the Admirals Club with open arms. As long as you give five stars. Here's one from Dugout42424420. Word. A uh, long-time listener, no-time watcher. <laughs> I have not and likely won't watch STTNG, and I listen to the podcast regularly. <laughs> um, title from I Don't Know How to PM. Um, I think that person forgot to put a title. Of all the podcasts I've listened to, this is one of them. Yes. Or maybe it's a meta joke. Uh, the Craft uh, Mac and Cheese of Podcasts. Other people may claim they have superior podcasts. They may say their podcast is creamier or cheesier, but everyone knows you can't beat the orange powdered cheese of Kraft, and it's obviously clearly superior to all their mac and cheese offerings out there. Yes. This podcast is the powdered orange cheese of podcasts that is a high compliment sir thank you matt and andy are great whoever would have thought a comedy duo made up of a misanthrope and a deeply neurotic person could be so entertaining it works okay five stars <laughs> that one's interesting on any given day could be either of us well that's what's interesting i assume that they're making you the misanthrope and me the neurotic person but uh you really they any, were both switch hitters <laughs> any, any given monday guys 
And the last one is where no comedy writers have gone before. I love hearing TNG under the viewing glass of two comedy writers. Uh, Star Trek The Next Conversation. More like Star Trek The Best Conversation. Ooh, I like that. That's from C4S3Y. All right. The previous one was from Big Daddy 931. Big Daddy 931, welcome to the club. C4S3Y, you did it. And the Kraft Mac and Cheese one was from T Nix 1983. T Nix 1983. You did it. You were born in the same year as me. Oh, nice. Uh, We have a single United Federation of Planets President Circle. Uh, applicant entry uh member inauguration member all right mario jr posada sent us 25 dollars, and he said oh boy for my lovely girlfriend sarah c who introduced me to the wonderful world of star trek and who just hit her quarter century birthday hey what better way to celebrate than be inducted into the most exclusive of exclusive clubs. Sarah, as a member of the President's United Federation of Presidents Club, uh, you Planets. circle, rather, you get to uh, name a planet. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So write it. You can also you rename, rename a, planet. a planet. So, like, if you want to, like, rename Vulcan, as long as they're a Federation member, you have the power now. It won't be canon, <laughs> except on. No, it won't be canon unless we're uh, doing a mirror episode. What's after beta? Oh, we should do a mirror episode of this. How would that work? Oh, that's genius, Matt. How would that work? I guess I'd have to be super competent. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You'd have to be friendly and nice to me the whole time. Maybe we should just switch hosts with Treks in the City. (laughs) Could be. So they they are dark versions? (laughs) No, we're their dark versions. Oh, we're their dark versions. Sure. (laughs) Um, you know, the mirror, it's flipped. They'd be our lighter selves. Right. <laughs> Physically and personality. Uh, fair enough. And that was the Admiral's Club. Captain, we are being hailed. All right. I'm keeping it brief today due to our restrictions, time restrictions. Um, but these time restrictions allow you to have a weekly podcast that we can do at work. And when we do it at work, it doesn't affect our lives outside of work, which makes for a podcast that I will do forever. Fair enough. Uh, we have a lot of... Uh, Prime correctives about you fucking up Optimus Prime's voice. That was one. Um, we can start with that. I got a lot of stuff. But uh, but uh, in fairness... I didn't say anything. Um, you know, I, I had mentioned it correctly in a previous podcast. You I'm did. the one who discovered it, and then I just forgot that it was he was Starscream and and um, various other characters in addition to Cobra Commander Chris Collins, uh, who played one of the pack lids last week. Who looks for things, things to make you go. Um, so my apologies to everyone. Um, and uh, I have been du- duly corrected. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, let's hear from uh, someone who called into us. Hey, Matt and Andy, this is Marcus in Phoenix. Uh, I got to say, just finished Samaritan Snare, and the air horn is a very welcome addition to the podcast. Please keep it going. <laughs> a lot of people really dug the air horn. <laughs> it's very interesting. Well, you know, whenever there's some straight-up burns happening on the bridge, I got to play that air horn, because that episode was crazily insulting to everybody. It was. It was a lot of snaps and uh, and insults. Um, 
Max writes us, Matt and Andy, regarding, because uh, we had the whole thing with uh, Picard's, you know, su- surgery, intense surgery. It was a whole, like a medical show last week. And I had some questions about the, uh, the protocol of it. And uh, I believe Max must be a medical student or something. He doesn't specify. Uh, regarding Picard's cardiac replacement and your confusion over the surgical teams exchanged prior to starting, the writers chose to include the surgical pre-brief. Um, the, when the doctor is like saying, this Here, is what we're going to do. Yeah. This happens with all surgery. The lead surgeon leading the briefing, explaining to the entire team what the expectations are for the procedure. There is uh, also an opportunity for the anesthesia MD, assisting surgeon, scrub nurse, and surgical techs to ask questions or raise any concerns prior to starting. It's something you rarely see on TV, and I really enjoyed its con- inclusion and uh, as it added to the realism as much as you can with the with the rest of the 24th century medical techno babble. Mm. I thought that was a valid point. And then also, when it comes to Picard's reaction to seeing Dr. Pulaski at the end of the episode, because I was like, he's she's allowed to just pop in after he expressed that he did not want her um, um, operating on him. Um, he says, despite his earlier objections at her involvement, when he was under anesthesia, his care is under the direct care of the attending surgeon, and he can bring in any physician to assist him he deems necessary. As Pulaski was the only one qualified to finish the surgery. For she, some reason. <laughs> right, in the universe. Uh, she could treat Picard under implied consent. This means if a person is at risk of death or injury but unconscious, um, a medical provider may assume implied consent uh, provide treatment. The assumption being the person was able to consent. They would rather than sustaining injury or death. Thanks again for the great pod- podcast, Max. However, I will say, does the implied consent still apply if the patient has already said he doesn't want that person yeah he signs a new contract when he enters that operating room whatever you decided say. by me just now all right now uh we got another uh, f- uh voicemail and i would like you to tell me matt whether this sounds correct to you because i thought it was interesting regarding sonia gomez Hey guys, um, it's Dak from Birmingham, Alabama again. I just wanted to say I just got through listening to the Samaritan Snare episode, and uh, you guys were um, talking about how uh, Sonia Gomez didn't return after that episode, and uh, how they were originally intending for her to be like a, a love interest for Jordy. Um, and you guys were wondering why. Well, um, I don't know if this is a complete story, but I was reading on Memory Alpha that apparently the reason why. Um, she never came back, or one of the reasons why she was cut down in Samaritan Stand was because um, somewhere along the way, uh, she decided to cut her hair to a shorter length. And uh, then they had to do some reshoots for Samaritan Snare, and um, basically the showrunners didn't like that she cut her hair. So that's why uh, when you see her for the first time in Samaritan Snare, she kind of has some weird-looking uh, uh, hair extensions I noticed uh, that. going on. Oh, I didn't uh, notice. Because that was a reshot scene. And I have hair blindness. Hair extensions on her hair to make it, you know, uh, look like her hair did in the rest of the episode and in QQ. And apparently they were so pissed off that they may not have invited her back to the show. Uh, huh. Apparently that's just one of the stories. I don't know if it's the full story, but um, it does provide some sort of context as to why uh, she never came back. Anyway, be, still loving the show, guys. That'd, that'd be, be very fun. Hurley-esque. Well, that's what. That's the only thing that made it plausible to me. Also, he said it was from Memory Alpha, so I guess it must be true. But the uh, 
I don't know if Memory Alpha works like that. Is it not a reliable source of information? I think it's very reliable, but at the end of the day, it is still a wiki, you know, where anyone right. can edit whatever they need to. So, I think Whatever the case, can you imagine... Take everything with a grain of salt, creature. a young actor in Hollywood. You just got on a show that's yeah. probably... Even at that point, I would. They didn't well, think it was going to be season canceled. Season two, at that point, in season two, you figure, all right, this one's going to go the distance, yeah. or they was it still on the rocks? Uh, yeah, it's hard to say what was going on with that writer's strike and all that stuff. It's true, with so, Hurley also in charge. Yeah, and I mean, it could Roddenberry been any sort of, of do not DOA, uh, MIA. Um, but whatever the case, it's probably a good bet. You're being introduced as a character. You might be in almost every episode of Next Generation. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine she gave up on that career opportunity and bread because she got her hair cut? Well, it's, it's either, you know, there's two ways you can lose an opportunity on Star Trek. It's get a haircut or uh, be in Pet Cemetery. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was a choice to leave, though. <laughs> anyway, those are our hails. That's fucking beautiful, Andy. I know. It makes you happy. It really does. It really makes me extremely happy all right so guys the episode we're talking about today is a favorite of no one (laughs) (laughs) it is episode number well production number 144 it aired the week of may 29th 1989 andy what was going on may 29th 1989 uh i wonder if i got the right one here Mm. i think so forever your girl i believe still on the charts uh, that would be the Paula Abdul? Yeah. Okay. Let me just double check that I'm correct about that. Well, my friend Matthew Kirkwood. Is he gone? Is he passed away? Kirk. Matthew Kirk. Matthew Kirkwood. Um, up the long ladder. Yeah, for every girl. Oh, wow. And hand on your heart, Kyla Minogue, if you want to switch it up. Mm, you know what? I usually will switch things up, but... You're not a, you're not a Kylie Minogue fan. Well, I love Kylie Minogue's cover of... Um, Locomotion? Yeah. Big hit in, in, in whatever year that was. What, 89, 91? Sounds right. Something like that. Anyway, Andy, what else was happening in the world at, at that point in time while this song was being played? Well, Salman Rushdie's Satanic Verses hung on to its bestseller status. Boy, Indiana, this thing's never going away. You'll enjoy this one. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yes! Charged into the top box office spot. Huge. How could it not? Memorial Day weekend, both 1989. Between, both between uh, Matt and myself and uh, others in the office, and I believe it's mostly an age distinction, that uh, whether Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade is the best British Lost Ark Films, no, to me is that is not. That is not. Other the people statement. have said that. That here. is not the statement. I believe you have said that before. No, but okay. the statement is that I think it's the most fun to watch. I think it's my favorite. But I know that Raiders is a better movie. I feel like you've softened your position. I'm not softening your my position. position. You know, tune into last week's episode of Indiana Jonesing. You can pick that up on the James Bonding feed. <laughs> You're doing an Indiana Jones podcast. I am. We are in between. <laughs> in between James Bond movies, we're talking about Indiana Jones. Is that true? Yes. Last week was episode one with Paul Rust. All you have to do is subscribe to James Bonding, and you'll hear that. I would like to be a part of that well, one. Well, there's still time. We haven't done any of the movies yet. All right. Um, anyhow, uh, holding it for three weeks uh, before being deposited, deposed by that uh, other film uh, from the same studio, Star Trek V. 
That's crazy. Much as I have problems with uh, Last Crusade, the fact that it was unseated by Star Trek V is bonkers. Uh, the Tiananmen Square protest in China dragged on. Student protesters unveiled a 10-foot-tall statue entitled Goddess of Democracy. 1989 uh, NBA playoffs were in full swing. The LA Lakers faced the Phoenix Suns in Game 2. Uh, Detroit Pistons faced the Chicago Bulls. Seems like this is very... And uh, also, that was... Uh, the Pistons would go on to defeat the Lakers 4-0, marking the end of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's career. Um, and let's see. Time Magazine's cover featured the headline, Politics Panama Style. Noriega bludgeons his opposition as the U.S. turns up the heat. That is your This Day in Trek. I, should have got, I wish we had played an Irish song there. That would have really been appropriate for this garbage episode. All right. This episode was written by Winrick Colby and, uh, sorry, written by Melinda Sangrass and directed by Winrick Colby. Stellar flares are about to destroy the Bring, Bringloidy homeworld when the Enterprise rescues the colony populated by a simple but lively people long ago forgotten except for fragmentary post-Holocaust records. The Bring... Bring Lloydy. Bring along their livestock and set up camp on a cargo bay. Riker is soon keeping company with the bumbling leader's lovely but feisty daughter. The Picard. <laughs> then Picard and Data learn the colonists were one of two groups to settle in the solar system. The Enterprise heads off to warn them of the danger. Uh, soon they find Mariposans, an entire society composed of clones from the five crew members who survived the original colony ship's crash. Now fearful of degeneration due to replicative fading, the Mariposans beg for fresh DNA from the Enterprise crew, but the idea is repugnant to the Starfleet people, just as the idea of sex is to the Mariposans. And they decline. Desperate, the colony leaders kidnap Riker and Pulaski and collect DNA cells. But the two return to destroy the maturing bodies of the clones and bring a compromised suggestion from Picard. Rejoin the Bringlaudi their original fellow colonists and breed on a resettlement world it's completely completely insane <laughs> the uh, just from top to bottom this Let me episode just state for the fat record yeah number one problem with this episode yeah Actually, I can't say number one, but the biggest problem with the it's so hard to pay. I can't say the biggest problem with the episode, but I will say the biggest problem with the plot of this episode is the fact that this advanced cloning tech culture technology, these people had not heard of IVF. You can make babies in test tubes, no problem. You don't fucking need to clone people. I guess that is certainly true. But wait, weren't they cut off from any other genetic? Oh, I guess it wouldn't make any difference. Wouldn't make any difference. <laughs> that is a huge hole. <laughs> it's so obvious. Oh every sperm cell and every egg is going to make a different baby. You should you should cover this episode on uh, Matt and oh, Dory. It's crazy. <laughs> anyway, let's uh, let's pop in as the a side and see what's it doing. Oh, right, sorry, you had, you had a side nah, note. You had a side I'll note. I'll circle back to it. You had a side mind. note. It's not that important, Andy. 
I was just going to say there was a uh, there was someone sent us an email that I didn't I didn't get until I remembered the uh, the uh, the redheaded Irish character uh, the pretty lady in the in the episode where um, it's Kobe says listening to last week's hails one listener likened Andy to Wilson from the TV show House never having Googled a picture of Andy I always imagined a Larry David type maybe it was all the self 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 loathing. Um, I hate myself for screwing that up. Anyway, Googling done, not what I expected. And then I followed up because I'm always looking, digging for the insult. <laughs> I said, what, what, what did you think uh, when you saw me? I don't know. What was your take? You're not specific about that. And uh, Kobe responds, all the self-loathing is not warranted. I'm sure there's many a fiery redheaded Irish stereotype that'd be happy to marry him. And I didn't get that last good part. advice. Until now. Uh, does his mind break open when he watches The Curb with you and Larry David? <laughs> you know, I've thought about that. That's pretty amazing. That's why it was so exciting to be in it. I know if you're familiar with this music, but it's suspenseful. And really all that's happening here is Worf has the measles for no fucking reason. <laughs> I thought that might be Klingon gas. <laughs> is this... Do you think that this measles thing was... Um, Sir. To sort of hint at childhood and how the clones have no childhood? It's a valid question of thematically what is the frickin' purpose of this. I've just come from a meeting with Admiral Moore. He wanted to discuss this. I believe that those are Buck Rogers sounds, which I guess. Sounds like it might be an SOS. Good guess. You know, quicker than star-based research. It took them hours to determine that this was a distress beacon. I mean, I could have done it in like four seconds. <laughs> I don't know what's going on in star-based research, but uh, it's pretty stupid. Seems like when was it they also could have just run it through the computer. <laughs> oh, which they do right now. Yeah. And the computer immediately knows what it is. Uh-huh. It's Terran. Captain, I'm familiar with most Earth codes and... Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yes, that code hasn't been used in centuries. What was its origin point? Ficus Sector? Captain, I don't think there's any record of an Earth colony in that area. Now, now we know there's someone out there, and they're asking for help. It's being awfully coy. Let's try and find out. Computer, download all information regarding signal beacon from Starbase mainframe. Distress beacon used by the European hegemony. The European hegemony. This part I liked. I liked that concept that there was like some European split off, group. like a European Union, perhaps. Yeah, that ha- that was doing their own space program. This is from the USS Brexit. <laughs> They've also made a terrible mistake. <laughs> um, I enjoyed that European hegemony. A loose alliance formed in the early part of the twenty-second century. Their act break what is happened? this. He just collapsed, sir. <laughs> is that Worf has collapsed. From so the you're, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. What, what, what's wrong with Worf? I can't wait to find out. By the way, if you think about the trailer for this episode and how mm-hmm. this episode actually plays out, yeah, you, A, understand why they cut the trailer like that, but B, uh, it's, they don't, this other Mariposa colony, which yeah. I think they could have done a whole episode about, is uh, not even brought up until twenty 
fucking five minutes into the show. It's thirty minutes even. It's amazing, and it's kind of it kind of did strike me as like, well, maybe that's maybe that's cool that it's almost like they're breaking the structure, they're breaking the a plot, b plot, you know, sort of general structure. But at the end, it's so insane. There's no advantage to it. You haven't really done anything innovative in a way that served the story. You just told one story, and then you kind of connected it to the other story. And then it's not satisfying on either side in the end. Did you just put the hails in the Dropbox? Did, did I? Yeah, that's what it looks like. No, I didn't Unless we're to. being hailed by someone else. They're my hails. Oh, boy. <laughs> um... Anyway, we got to figure out what's wrong with Worf here. Everybody. I was trying to find my notes. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very discombobulated today. Meanwhile, my security officer remains in sick bay, where Doctor Pulaski is searching for the cause of his collapse. I'm fine. You're not fine. You fainted. I did not faint. Klingons do not faint. Excuse me. I'll rephrase. This Klingon suffered a dramatic drop in blood pressure. His blood glucose level dropped. There was deficient blood flow resulting from circulatory failure. In other words, he curled up his toes and lay unconscious on the floor. Doctor, being real snarky. No need to insult me. Ward, I am worried. I'm very impressed with his something is wrong. Comedic delivery Leon's as always. Don't faint. Forgive me. I just can't think of another word that applies. You're sick. Klingons do not give in to illness. Just stay right where you are. I have to check something with the computer. Lieutenant, you have Rapak Ngor. (laughs) (laughs) But that is a childhood ailment. This yes. is like has nothing to do with anything. I live down the humiliation. Worf, you can't help. Still, warrior, find himself in such a situation. Dorn's so very good. Got in the this. Very good. Of the with a ridiculous plot. How would Commander Riker feel if he had the measles? Pretty silly. Doctor Pulaski, how is Lieutenant Worf? He's in no danger. Uh, Worf was. Um, just observing a Klingon ritual involving fasting. And he didn't take into account that you have to decrease your physical activity as you decrease your caloric intake. Pulaski out. Be funny for was more offended at this. That is more insulting. <laughs> no, you're saying I don't know how to uh, count how many calories I'm taking in. I always know how to fast. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's jump in over here. The Spanish word for butterfly. The Mariposa, which is the ship that... Uh, I thought it might be significant, sir. It doesn't appear to be data. No, sir. <laughs> and a lot about people from their 225 Yoshimitsu computers, five monitor beacon satellites, 700 cellular comlinks, 50 spinning wheels. Spinning wheels? Cattle. I like this. Chickens. Pigs. A device used I like that they're the both talking at the same time. Of a large hand or foot driven wheel and one How would anyone carry such an insane mix of rounded cargo. tapering rod data. Why do you like it? Because to me, this Why do is I like, like it? Because he would have been so far past this social faux pas. Otherwise, he would be doing it constantly. Uh, I feel like he does do it constantly. Don't you think so? 
I feel like he goes off in his own direction constantly. But I like that he's... But I don't feel like he ever interrupts anybody. He wasn't interrupting anybody. What do you he, mean? He, he started had, talking when... No, he was talking. They, Picard interrupted him. No, Picard was re- reading a list, and then and then Data went off in his own direction as no. Picard continued to read the no, list. No, I think that... Roll it I back! I think that Picard's in the wrong here. Guest sector. Captain Walter Granger commanding. Mariposa. The Spanish word for butterfly. Thank you, Data. I thought it might be significant, sir. Because he says spinning wheel, and then Data goes off oh, on sir. his thing. He's reading the list. From their luggage, 225 Yoshimitsu computers, five monitor beacon satellites, 700 cellular comlinks, 50 spinning wheels. Spinning wheels? Cattle. Access. Chickens. Pigs. A device used for... I think you can make any argument either way, that he, that, I, that he I, interpreted I, him as stopping. However, I liked it. Data would have known... That, oh, my superior officer is speaking. I should stop talking. Well, these are the neo-transcendentalists. I don't know if you're familiar with them. No. But they advocate a return to a simpler life. Life, in which one lived in harmony with nature and learned under her gentle tutelage. Thank you, Data. But if this was a ship full of utopians, why carry all this technological baggage? I have insufficient information upon which to form a cogent theory, sir. What about you, Fish? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> well, I think. What? <laughs> that was Livingston Picard's voice. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> uh, what do you think of this Klingon? What, what do you think of this Klingon tea ritual and uh, how quickly she has the antidote to Klingon poison tea? You can be me anywhere on the ship. How come I gotta stay in this aquarium? Well, now you're just talking like a ruffian who wants to rob yeah, someone on a London street in a holiday. You know the ceremony. <laughs> you I know what that fish is in her life is. Not the mysteries. I'm not a Klingon. You must not drink the tea. It is deadly to humans. And none too good for Klingons. It is a test of bravery, of one's ability to look at the face of mortality. It is also a reminder that death is an experience best shared, like the tea. Worf, you're a romantic. It is among the Klingons that love poetry achieves its fullest flower. Hold that thought. I thought they were going to bone. It really, (laughs) really seems like it. And frankly, his behavior throughout the episode doesn't illustrate otherwise. Antidote. And she's into it, too. If you're going to share, let's share. I thought this was completely sweet. I I thought it was a great gesture on Worf's part. And Pulaski was uh, pretty cool to uh, put in the antidote and then drink the poison. Now, quote me a little of that poetry. Computer totally. lights. Oh my god, did they bone? Is that what happened? I don't know. If you think they boned, right into us. Initiate sensor sweeps. I think they boned. Andy's theory. I guess it's really Matt's theory. The sun has entered a period of It's a theory. It's a show theory. If you think they space sexed, let us know. I would love to know. What? Why do you think they wrote that in? What is know. the deal? Listen, I liked it. I liked seeing this side of uh, Pulaski and this side of Worf. I thought it was nice. They're softening both characters here. I did too. But why the romantic undercurrent? Do, do you I think, don't think they were hitting that think, in that direction? No, not at all. You know I, they I'm were? kidding. I don't actually think they boned. I'm not a dumb dumb. I don't know. She's talking about romance. She's saying, "Read me your poetry." Well, I mean, wouldn't you be interested in Klingon poetry? Sure. All right, Andy, then I shall read some for you. 
<laughs> That's very sweet yeah. of you, Matt. Just drink this poison first. <laughs> oh, we forgot the <laughs> antidote. <laughs> Luckily, I eat so much that uh, my stomach can take it. We'll brush the planet in 3.6 hours. Evacuation will be difficult. We can lower our shields for transport only between the flares. Captain, these people have been isolated for 300 years. They could be very unsophisticated. The shock of being suddenly transported onto a spaceship could frighten them, to say the least. Hmm, your point is well taken, Counselor. Number one, you're going to have to go down there on my way. All right, so he's going down to this planet that is full of people, and the next time we Captain, hear from them is just... Sure. This is crazy. Yeah, this is this absolutely is absolutely the stupidest conversation I've seen between a captain and his first officer on a planet in an emergency situation. Captain's log, stardate 42827.3. Commander Riker has reached the caverns where he's making preparations to begin the evacuation. What's the situation, number one? There are roughly 200 people down here. Their condition? Surprisingly good. Are they willing to leave? Yes, but... Well, get them up here. I'm having a little debate with the colony's leader. It seems... There's no time, number one. Initiate the transport. No time to finish that sentence. No problem, we'll handle it up here. Aye, aye, sir. We're on our way. (laughs) Rank her out. It's such a shoddy writing. ready, Mr. O'Brien. You know... Energizing. Choice. And it's about to get crazy. A bunch of Irish stereotypes, says O'Brien. Captain, you better get somebody down here. Right away. I'm very offended at this characterization. As am I. Giant rooster. (laughs) This is... The craziest episode of Star Trek has ever been. It feels like it's the kind of plot that someone that didn't know the show that well, that was hired as a staff writer, was just sent off to write something without consulting anyone else on the show. Oh, Brian, I think that third way. And it made it to filming? Yes. Shoot! Shoot! Hi, sir. So Picard and Worf are walking down the hall right now, and now there's a chicken in the hall. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, that's a rooster. I love that that girl had no teeth in the middle. Sure. She had pink hair too. I don't know. To make it futury. Brian, is it? I should have known to be a good Irishman who was running this ship. What the devil is going on here, number one? Yeah. A ridiculous plot, sir. <laughs> oh, the man who makes decisions for me and mine without so much as a buy your leave. Yeah. This is my security chief, Lieutenant Wolf. I don't suppose security is much of a problem for you. Uh, Daddy Lil Odell, sir, at your service. How much are they supposed to know about the universe's current status? Not a ton, I don't think. But they did originally. The people that that flew to this planet did get there through warp travel, or not, or is it pre-warp? Interstellar travel. What year is it? Twenty-one something. It's post-warp. Post-warp. Warps developed in two thousand sixty-three. So wouldn't they have already known by about Klingons? 
Yeah, but I don't think he's... That is not a reaction of someone who's never seen a Klingon before. Uh-huh. That is a reaction of, oh, shit, it's a Klingon. Okay, fair enough. I'll you know what I mean? That. I really want to help this guy have some nuance there. <laughs> <laughs> and what about the, the accent? <laughs> Can't help you there. Comedy music. Star Trek comedy music. I always enjoy a Star Trek comedy music. What's the total? 223. Count on two more in the next few days. Set course for the nearest star base. You know, they were anachronistic in 2123. It will be interesting to see how they cope. They'll learn and adapt. If Danilo Odell is any indication, they'll be running this place inside of a week. Lieutenant Worf here, report. Fire in cargo hold seven. The Bring Lloydy. What have they done to my the ship? Bring Lloydy. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Is that an Irish word? Is that a Celtic phrase? Not that I know of. Report. Fire has been contained. No damage. Unseal the doors. So much time is spent on this. Lightning bolts falling from the ceiling. (laughs) This is insane. They've set up uh, pens for their pigs. Yep. A force field contains the flame until the remaining oxygen has been consumed. Ah, yeah. uh, What what if I'd been under that thing? You would have been standing in the fire. Yeah, well, leaving that aside for the moment, I mean, what would have happened to me? You would have suffocated and died. Yeah, ah, sweet mercy. Sweet mercy. I don't know if we need those couplets. Here we go. Your hospitality leaves a hell of a lot to be desired. You don't offer us a bite or a sup, and when we build a fire to cook a little something, the whole place goes mad. I, uh, my apologies. I was unaware that you had not been instructed in the the use of the food dispensers. And what are you staring at? You've never seen a woman before. I thought I had. <laughs> oh, Commander. Reich is making it happen. <laughs> not an Irish peasant woman with perfect makeup on. <laughs> <laughs> have all the time in the world, but I've dozens of frightened and hungry children and women to look after. And what about the men? Well, I'm sure they'll find their comfort as they always do, in the bottom of a mug of homebrew. I feel like your performance isn't broad enough. Can you just take it up a notch? Uh, What do we know about Irish? Uh, They're fiery and drunk. I got the quiet man here. Should we just watch that? The old uh, John Wayne film? Yeah, that'll (laughs) do perfect. Just hop it in. We'll just base a whole episode of Star Trek on this. The last thing I expected. (laughs) Sometimes. You just have to bow to the absurd. Not in a sci-fi show. What do you think of uh, Patrick uh, Stewart there? I feel like he was overplaying it. A I, rare I moment where he was overplaying it. He <gasps> may have just been so baffled that he didn't know what he was supposed to be doing. The views of Andy Secunder not reflect those of Matt Meyer or Star Trek The Next Conversation. <laughs> I thought he was great. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, for, for where he's standing in a cargo bay next to a spinning wheel with, with chickens and pigs around him? I guess his laughter seemed false. And maybe it was because it was well, false. Because there's because no way like, for this to be actually be happening. Funny. He's just confused. How did the ship sense the fire? I gotta say, these guys were sports. Well, the, uh, ship's computer. Oh, you mean the cast of the normal <laughs> yeah. episodes? Yes. Sense a localized increase. Men always talking when there's work to be done. 
got to get this hay over here in the cargo bay. This is so crazy, Riker, at Sir, his Rikerist. Now, is this not inappropriate? Just like, I'm going to try and make time that with this necessary. woman we're transporting. <laughs> well, good for the bloody ship. That's a terrible line. Oh, he is tall. <laughs> and strapping. As far as I can tell, he wins her over by staring. I believe that's accurate. And then she, she wins him over by having dirty feet. She lifts her skirt. It's just... Commander Riker. Where does a girl go to wash her feet on this ship? <laughs> As the first officer, I feel it's my responsibility to show you all the amenities. So he basically... Yes, go ahead. Just takes her back to his quarters. <laughs> oh. Just one other thing. You want to be able to clean yourself? Great. Come back and take a shower in my room. Yeah. Well, in all your travels, have you heard anything from the other colony? Other the colony. Other colony. Is that an act break? Ugh, that's an act break. Captain's log supplement. Is it ever? Oh, Jesus. Uh, I mean, I guess we have to pick off with the. Uh, Midriff shirt? Sure. And a mug of beer in peace. Can I ask you, what do you think? You show me so many wonders. I mean, when she goes, when she lifts her skirt. Yes. That's like basically, I don't know. That her feet are dirty. Well, that's what it's stated. But obviously there's a sexual flirtation. It just seems like too much. For Star of course Trek. it's too much. It's just crazy. Nothing in this episode is not too much. I just Data's acting crazy. Pulaski and Worf are on their own side story. Riker's just trying to nail whatever he can here. I'd love to know who was responsible. I mean, it must have been Hurley, right? Can we really blame Hurley? I mean, do we see what Larry Nemechek has to say about this episode? Do I, shall I read a bit? Sure. All right. Kids, gather round. I'm going to tell you a story. This is a story. I like that. My, my wife and I just came back from a trip to Ireland. I want to do a whole episode that's like that. I thought, what if we brought Ireland to the ship? Wouldn't everybody want to see that? All right, here we go. Um, Actually, it couldn't have been Ireland because none of this is authentic. <laughs> Snodgrass's stay, originally titled... Send in the clones. Oh, Jesus. Began as a look at immigration and the we don't want their kind here prejudice. Ooh, topical. But the author admits it lost something in the push and shove of rewrites and budget limits. Still, she recalls the story drew some flack from two different directions. Right to life advocates objected to the pro choice in charge of my body sentiment espoused by Riker. 
in denying the Mariposan permission to use his body for cloning. And Irish Americans protested that they felt a stereotypical portrayal in the Bringladi. Unintended. Uh, since uh, since Irishman Hurley conceived their look. <laughs> there you go. The original title, a pun on the title of Sondheim's song, Send in the Clowns, actually survived until well after the scripts were printed. And then someone realized it was the hackiest choice of all time. Uh, the pregnant Bringladi woman was no fake. Prop man Alan Sims's wife was two weeks overdue with her baby at the time. The Sims family actually bred the African pygmy goats used in the scene. Mention of Earth's recovery after World War III in the early 2100s in the European hegemony. Hegemony? Hegemony? I can't even say that word. I quit. Uh, As the first stirrings of world government later that seemed to jive with Earth's 21st century post-atomic horror of Farpoint and nuclear winter in a matter of time, apparently separate from the eugenics wars of Space Seed and the Third World War, since most of Khan's people came from non-Western nations. In 1968's Return to Tomorrow, Kirk and the Earth manages nuclear crisis more wisely than ravaged planet Aris. Bread and circuses set out that some 37 million people died in World War III. An acutogram scene here uh, with uh, here Picard's an acutogram scene here Picard's search menu for FICA sector launches includes several humorous references the SS Buckaroo Banzai uh, on a mission to planet 10 dimension 8 and two other ships that are anime related the Urusai Yasura and the Tomobiki uh, the setting for Urusai, then uh, the mission assignments of diplomatic uh, mission to Alderaan, is a Star Wars odd, uh, homage, nice. and Commander Gene Roddenberry to explore strange new worlds. Though it can be barely glimpsed, Picard overlooks the screen. He's looking for the sixth line of the USS Mariposa, blah, 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 blah. Nothing really about how terrible this episode is. That's very interesting. It is interesting. Except the fact that we get to blame Hurley. Uh, let's see. It was... Of course, we need a scene where they're looking for booze. But we need to find a way to heat it without this bloody ship firing bloody lightning bolts at us. You can obtain spiritus liquors from the food dispensers. Uh-uh. Oh, no, no. It's not that synthahol pillage that O'Brien offered me, is it? No. If you wish, it can be real alcohol. Good. With all the deleterious effects intact. Mm, As it should be. (laughs) You see, lad, every moment of pleasure in life has to be purchased by an equal moment of pain. Whiskey! It has no bite. Jaha, salute. Oh, yeah, he's brewing up some Klingon fun. Mm. And then we have the performance to end all performances in Star Trek. <laughs> Over the top drop. 
crosses his eyes. That's what I call a wee drop of the creature. Who directed this one? You know what? You know what? Remember what I said about the moment of pain? I wonder if there was a different editor on this episode. I feel like this is one of the worst edited episodes of Star Trek Next Generation that I have seen. I feel like every performance choice is wrong. <laughs> every, it's slow, it's weird. Also, they could have only done one take of each thing. <laughs> I guess that does, it is possible, but uh, that is crazy. Can you imagine having to worry about that, too? The fact that you're shooting on very expensive film. Oh, I hadn't even thought about that. But, I mean, come on. Yeah, this is this scene right here. I'm going to play the audio of it here. What darling is it? I might have known. Are you drunk yet, or can you talk with Dr. Pulaski about the children? What about them? She wants to send them to school with the ship's children. Oh, what do you think? I think it's a good idea. This is crazy. So go handle it. So the conversation is really just so he can do this bit. I believe so. Sure there's no there's plot reason there. And as for you... What? Why did you have to tell them this magic wall can give them more than meat and potatoes? No, we'll never get a lick of work out of them. Madam, have you ever considered a career in security? If it's anything like babysitting, I'm an authority. <laughs> Worf looks around, offended. He storms off. Captain's log supplemental. <laughs> This is great. This is so dumb. It is dumb. And we... Okay. It is the 25-minute mark of a 44-minute show. So insane. And we are finally getting to the other colony. Approaching the Class M planet, where we hope to find the other colonists. Signal from the planet, Captain. On screen. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise. Representing the United Federation of Planets. This is wonderful. Welcome, Captain. I'm Wilson Granger, Prime Minister of Mariposa. No doubt a descendant of Captain Walter Granger. Not quite a descendant. We feared Earth wink, had wink, nudge, nudge. when no one came back to check on us. I'm afraid the truth is, you got lost in the bureaucracy. But despite the lateness of our... It's one of the constants in the universe, am I right, everybody? <laughs> Weinrich Quadruplets <laughs> Weinrich Doctor, Colby is your title Directed this one medical. medical Ah, excellent Is there some medical problem we should know about? Uh, I think it best if the uh... Prime Minister explains that Somehow I thought you might Yes, excuse me Say that Gentlemen Please, follow me Hmm. It's a bowling ball. Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Mariposa. Yes, I'm over here. Dr. Catherine Pulaski. This is my chief of staff, Elizabeth Vallis. Tell me, is your entire population made up of clones, Prime Minister? Was this... How did you figure it out? Was this a... We all look identical. Uh, 
I feel like this was a, a sci-fi and maybe even mainstream mainstay at this point. Clones. They're like treating it as though it's clones. Yes. I mean, that's the 80s, right? They're trying to clone everything. Is that it? Is that why it's when such was a that fucking... Goat? What was that goat cloned? That's a good question. What was her name? Daisy? <laughs> Maisie? Daisy? Anyway. Clone. Yeah, cloning, I feel like, was a very... Cloney. Like the, the clone, like the Clone Wars, Dolly. you know, in Star Wars? Mm, that was in 96. It was later. Oh, Dolly wasn't cloned until 96? No. If you could be cloned, would you? Hmm... Mm, probably not I'd do it <laughs> why why not I don't know then you got another one of you around you already uh, hate you I want to see if that I want to see if that me cannot be fat <laughs> that's that would be awful to have another person I've thought about this who wants another version of you that's better at you than you are you know what I'm all for refining Matt Myra would you just destroy yourself then no it's the consciousness that's the problem. If I could move myself into a better version of myself, then I would do sure. that. Sure. Who wouldn't? Yeah. I think we all would. Right, listeners? That's right. right. <laughs> Good old listeners. Uh, so here's their whole conundrum. Actual reproduction is a little repugnant to us. Well, how did you overcome the problem of replicative fading? We haven't. You have got a problem. Wait, I don't understand replicative fading. Yes, you do. Each time you clone, you're making a copy <laughs> of a copy. Subtle errors creep into the chromosomes, and eventually you end up with a non-viable clone. How can we help you? We need an infusion of fresh DNA. I was hoping that you would be willing to share some tissue samples. It's <laughs> going to clone us? Yes. No way, not me. But how could you possibly be harmed? It's not a question of harm. How does the how does the pro how do they get upset with him? The anti-choice people. Uh, I don't understand that 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 thesis from Snodgrass's comments in Larry Nemechek's book. It's pro-life that are getting upset with him. Aren't and they? anti-choice is pro-life. Anti-choice, right? How are they? Why? I call them pro-life. <laughs> well, no, that's the, <laughs> right. the more accurate way, right, right. way to say it. Um, uh, but he's getting not, upset but he's because not he's not being anti-life here. You know what I mean? Like he's not being anti-life. He just doesn't want to be cloned. So I don't understand where the well, the verbiage is moral conundrum happens. The verbiage is very uh, pro-choice. He says, "I have a right to choose what I'm going to do with my body." Oy vey. Well, the sure. 80s were terrible. Perhaps no. it's it's. Yeah, I can kind of see it. I'm not. You know, me in ways I I'm just saying. Imagine. You would be preserving yourself. Mm. Human beings have other ways of doing that. Apparently, Maurice Hurley we approved have children. it. We have children. Hopefully, with Irish women, we beam aboard. Boy. It's crazy when they get back together, those two. I think you will find that attitude prevalent. The Irish lady yeah. and this guy. I'm just going to start making up plots to Star Trek episodes that don't happen, so Andy thinks they're real. <laughs> Apparently, there was a there was a there was a book, it was a novelization where they where we follow up with those. Oh these God! <laughs> I see. I mean, don't you well, send them down to the planet with a fucking Lieutenant security Ford. team? Prepare. Technical support. Oh yeah, that's crazy. That's craziness. Captain, 
With your permission, I would like to return to the planet. It could be my last opportunity to study replicative fading. Uh, with your permission, of course, Mr. Prime Minister. It would be most welcome. Perhaps you will find a solution that we have overlooked. Well, I appreciate the compliment, but I don't think that's very likely. And repairing that equipment will certainly not solve your problem. What do you think of this new talent of Geordi here? So here he comes in here. Oh, I love this. Of course, it makes it makes um, Deanna Troy even more redundant. They do a good knockout while standing situation. Yeah. <laughs> I was happy with both their performances. Excuse me, sir. I was uh, I was looking for Commander Riker. I'm afraid I haven't seen him, Doctor Pulaski. Sorry, I can't help you. But you're in charge of the planet when they were supposed to be down. Like all the people that were chosen clearly just because they're triplets to be in this episode. They have no acting ability. Never see them again. So what happened to you two down on Mariposa? Is everything all right? This is crazy. Is there any reason it shouldn't be? Yeah. Every time I asked where you were, some clone lied to me. Lied to you? Some clone. Some clone. Face, I can see better than your average person. Now, when someone lies, this clone rolls up on physiological me. manifestations, variations in blush response, pupil dilation, pulse, breath rate. Doesn't always work with aliens, but humans, I got them nailed. The clones lied about our whereabouts? Mm-hmm. I don't remember anything happening. I have to assume. I was working in their medical facility there must be and got a call to report to Granger's At office. least 30 instances that we could point to where he didn't know if someone was lying or not. one of you. Just on the holiday. Well, I think holograms. Exactly. I don't remember. So what's the prognosis, Tom? Jordy, you'd be pleased to know that you're not missing any epithelial cells. Great. Will and I, however, are. Meaning? Although you can clone from any cell in the body... The cells lining the stomach are the best choice because they're relatively undifferentiated. Where are you going? To their cloning lab. I'm not Bring telling the captain. Team. Bring a security team. <laughs> just we're just going right in. Oh, I see. We're just going to beam right down. And, and what do you got with you? Type two phaser, the smallest phaser we have. That's cool. They knocked us out, and then they stole our cells. So we're going to beam down. They kill apparently the, without uh, telling anyone. <laughs> No, they don't tell anyone. Uh, they kill the uh, Pulaski and the Riker clone. Like hell, you're a damn thief. Gentlemen, please. What else can we do? We asked for your help and you refused us. We're desperate. I love desperate. these triplets back there. And that gave you the right to assault us, to rob us, and we have the rights to survive. Boy, this is a really heady conversation. I wish there was just some way we could possibly figure this out. Meeting. Now, please, sit down. <laughs> This is the craziest ending to an episode in the history of Star Trek. Now, Commander Riker has asked that your laboratories be inspected for stolen tissue samples, and I understand his concern. We may have to transport all your equipment here to the Enterprise. I see. When reason fails, you'll resort to blackmail. Fine. Remember the beginning of the episode when we were in that far and away... Tom Cruise, Nicole Kidman film. Yes, yes, I do. Funny to look back on that. 
You see, the end is closer than you like to think. I don't know. There are so many difficulties. <laughs> Look, man, we are decent, hard-working people. <laughs> we are willing to learn. It's not what your daughter says. Different. It is the differences that has made us strong. Genetically speaking. For 300 years, we have denied the carnal side of our nature. How can we learn to put that aside? Uh, well, <clears throat> you, you, you put a young couple together, and you let nature take its course. Now, if this is going to work, you're going to have to alter your society, too. Monogamous marriage will not be possible for several generations. I, I, I don't quite understand. 30 couples are enough to create a viable genetic base. But the broader the base, the healthier and the safer the society. So it would be best if each woman, bring Lloydie and Mara Posen, had at least three children by three different men. And you I think I could handle that, yes. This is crazy. God, it's so <laughs> frightening. I was going to say badly written. So, it's a done deal. Is this the hand of Roddenberry? And here's the perv? My hand on it. Oh, it's off. Uh... Oh, 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 oh. Right, well, now let's go and stake out my three women. Send in the clones. So he's also referring, he's making a, a pop culture reference. That's like a hundred years before Darkly his time, right? Well, you have 50 VHSs with you. I guess that's right. They're the most advanced technology. Thank you, son. Brenna. And Brenna. A word. Do we skip over the Riker sex scene? Yeah. Riker has sex. I just want to say, lady. this baby that is real is uh, is is twenty nine years old right now, twenty eight years old. What a proud Star Trek history that baby has. If you're listening to this baby, email us. Tell us your reflections. <laughs> this is the. Craziest spinning wheel. There's hey, like guy playing a, an accordion. But you never stop to consider the poor women. You men draw a mug and solve all the problems of the world while the beer goes down. But when it comes to the practical matters, it always falls to the women to make your grand dreams come true. Miss Odell, you were the one who wanted a new home. But I don't know if I want to be Eve. It's your choice. If you wish, you can stay on the Enterprise. We will drop you off at a star base. Then you can go where you wish. Leave my doll? This is going to work. These people will need your strength, <laughs> your guidance. If you're going to fuck three different men and get pregnant from each of them, <laughs> we need you. What does he do again? Prime Minister. Hmm. Sounds important. Oh, it is. 
Sounds like you might have more than two coins to rub together. So it's about money. Three husbands. Uh-huh. Three husbands. She's is, into it. This is how the Irish think, everyone. Look out. Ugh. Those raunchy drinking <laughs> Irish. So dirty in their hay. Here in Ireland, and you'd like to invite me to visit you. Email. Oh, that's the end. That is where it goes. Oh, boy. Well, you know, when I think of all the crew members on board, it's hard to really pick out a most valuable. Actually, it's not. I'm kind of trying to think whether this one's more offensive or Code of Honor is more offensive. Well, they're both horrible. Um, well, anyway. In the vastness of space, when the going gets rough, you gave it your all. You showed the right stuff. You managed to not blow the ship to smithereens. That's why you're this week's MVC. Um, Would have loved to have seen Wesley on this episode. Sure. Would have made it just as ridiculous. Him hooking up with one of the who knows Irish who knows what he would have done. Maybe he would have taken a pig as a pet. I feel like my mind was numbed by this episode. I almost couldn't come up with sarcastic comments. It was so off the charts, crazy. Well, you know, there is one MVC here. It's Doctor Catherine Pulaski. As far as I'm concerned, she's the only one who does anything. What about Jordy with telling, seeing the with the, the truth teller? Oh, that is interesting, Andy. That's a wrench. It goes back to the question we've often revisited, which is, do we give the MVC to the person who is sort of the linchpin? Like, he's is the first person who allows the solution to happen, or the person who is the most prevalent in the solution? Who would definitely be Pulaski, I agree. I'm, I'm giving it to Pulaski. I'll give it to Pulaski, too. All right. Now the favorite part of this episode, the part where we must give it some Andy's. Hey, what happened? I don't know. The Andes. Or some other method of ranking. We're working on it. Tough. I mean, given everything that's happened in this episode and and all the moments that it has given us and the Irishness and, you know, it's going to get a one for me. It's going to get a point five for me. It's going to get a one. And I'll tell you why it gets a one. Okay. It gets a one. Because of the stuff with between Pulaski and Worf that I, Fair I liked so much that I gave you've it a convinced one. me. I didn't mean to bring your rating up for this terrible episode. <sighs> I'm trying to think. Oh, I meant to say someone was saying that we should just do a 10 minute recap of the episode "Touch of Gray," not "Touch of Gray," "Shades of Gray," "Shades of Gray," um, because it is literally just a clip episode. Uh huh. And I agree with that person. I don't know. I think we should put them out. We'll put it out. Okay. But we'll do it the same day we do the second episode. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I was so wondering like, if, we'll put out like a mini episode. I was wondering if that one should be the guest episode, the first guest episode. Yeah, I'm not. So that that way we can... Uh, I'm not doing that anytime <laughs> soon. <laughs> I like what we got. I like what we built here, Andy. <laughs> the lunchtime recording. Yeah, it's great. Just me, you, and the Capra building in the reflection. Anyway, um, I'm not. 
I'm not, I don't know. I guess I guess uh, tweet at us. Let us know what your take is on the uh, ten minute shades of gray. I believe we just give it a full episode. No, you we got to endure it like just everything. Clips. I, I mean, we will it'll watch be, it. It'll we'll be have a, to watch it. A, a looking back. Um, whatever the case, um, if you want to tweet at us, we're at Star Trek TNC. Mm-hmm. Um, our Instagram is at Star Trek TNC. Our um, our donation through PayPal, PayPal or our email is sttncpod at gmail.com um, my Instagram is at Andrew Secunda by the way um, and uh, my Twitter is at Secunda um, um, at Matt Myra is Matthews yep and uh, what was the last one? Oh, if you want to call in with your voice ma- voicemails it's uh, 816-TREK-TNC Oh, by the way, in case you didn't get it for now, don't watch this episode. Uh, next, we're going to see the trailer for Manhunt, episode 2, X-19. Here we go. Next time on Star Trek, The Next Generation, Counselor Troy's mother is on a manhunt for a new husband. A betazoid woman, when she goes through this phase, quadruples her sex drive. Now, Picard's hiding Jesus in the Christ. holodeck to escape wedlock. Perhaps we should consider my alternate plan. Riker is the next man she hopes to seduce. Married until death must do part. On Star Trek, The Next Generation. Oh, oh God. Well, guys, they can't all be winners. <laughs> really? <laughs> This is. I, I feel like this this season is wearing me down more than the first season. Oh, for sure. Why? It's so crazy. Uh, it's got it got this not, much worse before it got better. It, uh, it, it, it. Well, this is the writers. We're in the writer strike. Dip. I don't think that's true. Isn't the dip at the beginning of the season? I think we're in it. I think we're in the dip. But you know how it goes. You know how when we start writing a season of television, it's like, you know, you're t- you're paying more attention. Yeah, they're they're you know you have more attention from the no, showrunners. I understand, but uh, by I the end like it's like, well, here's the garbage. They should have been feeling that brunt more in the first season. Well, they didn't feel it enough. They sure didn't. Uh, I gotta go, Andy. All right, hang out here on the bridge, just thinking about all the terrible plots we've experienced. So few good ones. I'm going to go down to the cargo bay. (laughs) Now we turn on the turbo lift. There we go. Cargo bay. (laughs) Cargo bay? Am I dead? Oh, jeez. There we go. (laughs) Maybe I'll get a shuttlecraft. To the shuttlecraft docking bay. Initiating decoupling sequence. Auto separation in 10 seconds. Oh no. Oh no, I've somehow separated it. Level 9 authorization required. <laughs> I gotta get out of here. Warning. Life support failure on all decks. Oh, Abandoned ship. I'm sorry. I apologize. Warning. Life support failure on all decks. Abandoned ship. This is on me. This is my bad. O'Brien, site to site transport. Disengage. 